Good morning on this start of another week. You're listening to The Daily Cast on Kilcullen Diary. I'm Brian Byrne. It's Monday the 24th of May 2021. This morning we'll take a quick look at the life of the woman who sang the first Eurovision winning song. And we'll also hear some more clips from a chat I taped back in 1994 with my late uncle Tommy Byrne. First though, the weather. It'll be a cloudy start that'll give way to sunny spells around lunchtime with some showers. There'll be more clear weather in the afternoon. Highest temperatures should reach about 12 degrees in a moderate westerly breeze. Our person of interest this morning is Lis Asia, who sang the winning song in the first Eurovision Song Contest held in Lugano, Switzerland in 1956. With seven competing countries, each allowed two songs, it was her second song, Refrain, which was judged the winner for her native Switzerland. Liz was born in 1924 as Rhoda Mina Scherer in the north of Switzerland, and her first stage career was as a dancer. But after successfully having to fill in for a missing singer in 1940, she changed direction. She was already a very successful singer before Eurovision, and following her achievement in the competition, her career continued upwards. There were hit songs, including a version of Oh Mine Papa. There were film appearances and concerts. She performed for Queen Elizabeth II, the Egyptian King Farouk, and Eva Peron in Argentina, amongst others. Being the first in anything that becomes annual and very big, she was always associated with Eurovision. In 1957 she sang in it again, without success, and in 1958 her rendition of Giorgio brought the song to second place. And, as is often the case, a non-winning song, Volare, which finished in third place that year, was to become the biggest hit beyond the competition. Lys was guest of honour at many milestone Eurovisions, including its 30th anniversary in Gothenburg. She wished everybody good luck by satellite link to Riga in 2003. And in 2005, she performed in the Congratulations show, celebrating five decades of the event. In 2011 and 2013, she was unsuccessful in the Swiss finals for a place in the Eurovision and at a special meet-and-greet in Stockholm before the 2016 contest, she spoke with people in many languages. She was fluent in at least six. Lys married in 1957, but her husband died less than a year afterwards. She married again in 1963, and she and her husband Oscar Peterson were together until he died 32 years later. Lisa Sia passed away on the 24th of March 2018 at the age of 94. Moving on to our feature of the day. Some of you may have heard extracts that I played some weeks ago from a talk that I had taped with my late Uncle Tommy Byrne back in 1994, where he was remembering things from his youth. Today we'll go back there again, briefly. First, he recalls his father's funeral undertaking business and the hearses used. Oh, he had a horse hearse. A very nice horse hearse. And that was kept out in the farm in Sunny Hill. And we always had two horses. And in fact, we had three coaches and a, a horse for each. But the way he managed that was he provided the horse, but the farmer had the use of the horse and kept it. And three different farmers had horses. But if there was a funeral, they had to bring it in cleaned and polished. 
I see. But they had the use of the hearse, but they had to feed him as well. Maloney's now, that Ned Maloney's father, he always had one. And then I learned that he'd drive the hearse as well. And then there was an old calling Jack Reddy, he kept one. But then if he was one driver, he'd have to drive it at the funeral as well. See, that time, I remember that you used to have a funeral coming from a tidy Cullen with a, a hearse and maybe a coach or two at the back of it. Fair old drive, 15 miles, you know. And um, who, who kind of looked after the coaches themselves and things? Just somebody who looked after the things like that? The coaches were, they were kept in Sunny Hill and the herd out there in Sunny Hill used to look after them. And the Burns remained in that undertaking business until my late brother Des passed away in 2005. Now here's Tommy talking about some of the ways he and his friends entertained themselves when they were youngsters. I, of course, I was fishing from very young, you know. Yeah. I fished a lot. Where would you go to fish? Oh, right down around on the, down the rocks, down under Castle Martin, all around there. Because through the barton, see the barton, top barton is ever great pals. And, the Bardens were all fishermen. They got me in on it, you know. But I, I must say I loved fishing up. I got fished a lot even up to the time I was married. And was a serious was a serious fishing, it was a serious game for you, yeah? Oh yeah, oh Christ, yeah, I was good. I used to be catch trout, you know, whatever. We used to fish with a dry fly, which was a very arty type of fishing. Very few people do it. You have to be on top of the lead work a dry fly. A dry fly floats on top of the water and the trout comes up and takes it. Whereas the wet flies float underneath it. So that, that passed for a lot of hours, it did? Oh, yes, in oh. the summertime. Oh. And then in the wintertime, there was a bit of ice, which was a lot more frost then, too. All the local ponds would be out sliding on them all night. I remember sliding across the river for all night, one night nearly. That time, of course, the weir was there, and there was still water from the weir up. In my lifetime, it froze twice. And prior to my, my father, I only remember once. There are some photographs I know of that time, of the time it, it froze, that you would remember, yeah. that I've seen around all right. Yeah, it, uh, it, wouldn't do it, it wouldn't do it now because it's, it's flown too fast. No, exactly. And, and I don't think we have the cold winters either. No, no. We, because, I like my recollection, in the wintertime, autumn, wintertime, every night we have buckets of water, we get it in gardens, and put it down the middle of the town, and you'd have a nice skate there down, down right onto the bridge the next morning. Like it seemed, we seemed to do it terrible often, and there could be twenty or thirty years one after another going down that down the middle of the bridge. We don't get that type of frost at all now. That was it. And then there's a few ponds around, bring out. You know, we go night even because of course in night it fall at five o'clock at that time of the year. We bring jam jar with a stump of a candle and pull it out sitting on the ice. You know. See. Of course we swam a lot. The good weather came, so we lived in the river. Lived in it. What about music? Was there was music? You know, it's, it's a big thing in today's youngsters' lives. No, I, I remember a summer's evening, the hall door of Dowling's across the road, which was our hall door. But we were living in the corner house this, uh, this stage, in the, in the pub. Mm. But I remember a summer's evening there, there was a couple of great singers, to be a sister now of Mrs. Carter's mother, and a dial, brother of the Jowls, a Harry Dial. Well, I'd be going to bed and I'd hear them to hear those two lads singing tunes at the top of their voices, sitting down on the footpath of a summer's evening. You know, no more guys, no, not. You'd hear them all over the town. And maybe one of them could have a mouth organ. Mouth organs are very popular. Really, someone was always a good mouth organ player. Was there radio at that stage? No. No. The first radio around, 
had a, Pat Dowden had it up at Myola, and I used to. That's Pat Dowden the Forge. Yep, he worked in the CIE. Yeah, his brother was the smith up there. Oh, I see. Right. And he had a crystal set with headphones, and I remember listening to a rugby match up there. The thing that now that you mention music, street musicians. And then a week go by, but two or three come. One I have a melodeon. One used to play a trumpet or a cornet, wouldn't be sure which. Another a fiddle. And they go home and they come back and they go and they come back and they go up and down the town and go around with the hat. And this lad knew which used to come nearly every Saturday. I'd say he was the next British Army. That was the lad with the trumpet. And I remember then there was another lad who used to have a barley organ. And we had a little cuckoo, a little canary then in a nest. You go up and give money in the board, pick up a little ticket, and it was your fortune. We just loved the paradox, we'd all stand around it. But they came like you'd be waiting for them to come, you know, every few months. That's the way they lived. My late uncle Tommy Byrne, and some memories that are precious to have, especially in these days of high-tech play, where sliding down the middle of the bridge in winter would never be a runner. Now to the news headlines, close by and further. On our local services, the Gildare Nationalist gives prominence and details to a collaborative album from a collective of young musicians working remotely. Distant Vibrations is the result for Music Generations Gildare. The Leinster Leader headlines a call for entries to the poetry competition in Junefest, which will be judged by poet and broadcaster Theo Dorgan. KFM Local News continues to give a lot of attention to how the HSE cyber attack is affecting services in County Kildare. On the national news, RTE headlines EU outrage over the forcing down of a Ryanair flight by Belarus. The Irish Times describes a global outcry, but gives its main interest on aviation, hospitality and live events to be reopened here by the end of July. The Examiner takes a local story for its lead, the criticism by the Ombudsman over shocking conditions at a Cork halting site. And the Independent remains strongly focused on the HSE issue, suggesting that the cyber hackers could be selling off stolen data for years. And we'll leave it there for this morning. Have a good start to your week. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Kilcullen Diary, and thanks again for listening.